I want you to turn with me to Daniel, the book of Daniel, the book of Daniel chapter 10. And uh, I just believe with all my heart that God led me here tonight. You know, I, um, I go through times and seasons where, uh, you know, I just feel like I'm in a drought with uh, the inspiration and revelation or creativity in putting messages together to preach. You know, you got to understand, I'm preaching to the same church 52 weeks out of the year. Amen? And I praise God for that. I'm not complaining about that. But what I'm saying is that when I come, I, I want to make sure I clarify that. I love you all. I'm so happy to be here to have somebody to preach too. But you say, well, we have to listen to the same preacher too. Yeah, I know. I get you. But, you know, so the, 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 I don't want to say struggle, but the challenge is to always come and have something fresh and something new. And that is one of my greatest, uh, you know, uh, things that I, demands upon my life. That's what I'll call it. It's a demand. And, uh, but um, I had several messages and just different things that are brewing. I got something for Sunday morning, I believe, with all my heart, God would have me to preach. And, uh, but I told Sister Scowls on the way in, I said, there's like three or four messages, and I just started naming them to her. And I said, this is what I'm feeling in my heart, and this is what, you know, I feel like the Lord has stirred in my heart. And, and, uh, but tonight, I want to preach a word to encourage us. And uh, I was preaching in uh, Mazatlan on Sunday. And uh, Saturday night, uh, you know, I didn't even really know what I was supposed to be preaching uh, Sunday morning. I had told Angela, I said, I've got a word for the married couples because we were going to preach Sunday morning. Monday morning we were going to the military prison, which is, a, which is a huge thing in Mexico because we're the only civilian, uh, you know, Protestant group that gets to go in, or I should say we, uh, uh, Mary Lou and Armistad Familiar is the only church besides the Catholic church that can go in there. And we're foreigners. We're from the United States. They didn't ask for our passport. They didn't ask for our driver's license. And nothing. And we went in there and we had a wonderful time in the Lord. And uh, I'm so grateful. But I've been in there many times before. So it was a reunion going back in there. But God gave me a word for those men. Gave Gilbert and Angela and Patty, all of us. But uh, and, and, and Monday night I knew what I was going to be speaking to the marrieds. You know. Uh, but Sunday morning, I didn't know. And Saturday night in the hotel, I just fell over that chair. And I began to weep and cry out to God. And I said, Lord, I said, I don't want to come here and just speak something just to get through the service. These folks are hungry. And uh, they, they've come expecting. And I, I'm asking you to speak to my heart. And I mean the Spirit of God spoke something to me right there in that room. And he said, there is somebody he God told me in Muslim someone has begged me for a word that would speak to them personally a word that would satisfy and settle the longing of their soul and their spirit and we heard more reports at the end of that service I felt the spirit of God come upon me powerfully and uh, at the end of that service Mary Lou had said to I believe it was Patty or might have been Angela but she said she said, I was the one that 
God answered, I'm sure many, but she said he answered my prayer because on Saturday night, she said, I, I began to pray and I said, God, you've got to speak to me because there's all of these things that I'm not seeing answered. There's all of these things that are before me. And she said, I need you to speak to my heart. And she said, you spoke that word. And she said, that was for me. That was for me. So God has a timely word for us. And so, and I'm sure that you do on Saturday night or Friday night or maybe sometime before the Sunday service, you say, God, speak to me in that service Sunday morning. I used to say, God, I'm going to Living Waters and I'm going to sit there in that front row. Let that man of God come in there and preach to me. Let him speak to me. God, whatever you have to say, talk to me. And God always spoke to me. He's faithful. Well, he'll do the same thing as you begin to pray. He knows exactly what we need. Amen. But tonight in Daniel chapter 10, I want to read verse 12 starting. And the Bible says this. Then said he unto me, this is the angel of the Lord, Gabriel. Fear not, Daniel, for from the first day that thou didst set thine heart to understand and to chasten thyself before thy God, thy words were heard. And I am come for thy words. I am come for thy words. I've come to answer the cry of your heart. And he said, but the prince of the kingdom of Persia, that's over Iran. Some things never change. The prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me. One and twenty days. But lo, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, and I remained there with the kings of Persia. <laughs> that ought to shout to you tonight that God is doing things in the heavenly realm that we don't even realize are going on. That ought to give you a shout of praise. To say, Lord, I know that you hear me. He said, he ever liveth to intercede for us. He ever liveth to intercede for the saints. He is the great intercessor. There's only one mediator between us and God, and I can tell you, is Jesus Christ. And he ever liveth before the throne of God to intercede for us. And so, let's pray over this word. Father, I thank you tonight for the word of God. I thank you for your spirit and your presence. I feel your love. I feel your spirit. And I know, God, that you're going to talk to us tonight. I pray the unction and the anointing upon my life. I'm not here to perform. I'm not here to woo anybody or, or God, to uh, entertain or perform. And, God, uh, you know, to show any ability of, of oratory or ability to speak because none of those things matter, but what matters, God, is that the Word and the anointing begins to break every yoke. And God begin to encourage us, Lord. And so I pray tonight that you speak to this body and encourage us. And God will give you all the glory and honor. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. Now God specifically said to me, Daniel. And... Uh, I said, but what, God? What, what do you want me to say from Daniel? Now, this was Saturday night. And so this is just the message I preached Sunday morning in Mazatlan with some extra stuff added to it. But 
God specifically said, go to Daniel, preach Daniel. And I said, what do you want me to preach out of Daniel? Lord, I haven't even been reading Daniel. I haven't been there, so I can't even say that that's where I've been and something stirring in my heart. But the Lord is so faithful. He began to speak in my spirit the things. It was like he gave me the outline. This is the first thing. This is the second thing. This is the third thing that I want you to say. And so... He's, I began to read Daniel, and I began to notate all of the things that God said. And one thing that we learn from the book of Daniel and that we can glean tonight is that Daniel was a mighty man of God. He was mightily used of God. He had great favor in the kingdom of, or in, the, uh, in, in uh, uh, Babylon. He had great favor with Nebuchadnezzar. He had great favor with uh, the other two kings that were over Babylon and King, uh, I'm trying to think of his name, um, the one that when he was in the lions, and I'm sorry, my, my brain's escaping, but somebody in here knows it, Darius. Amen. He had, he had great favor with Darius and there were others. He, he, his life spanned, uh, you know, three different kingdoms. And think about that. He, he was in ministry from a very young age to a very old age. And God used him mightily over that span of time. But he had great favor with them. The Bible says that he was considered a man who had an excellent spirit. And God used him to influence several powerful world leaders. Not just world leaders, but pagan leaders. He used him to cut through all of that. So, you know, even if you've got a bad leader, even if a nation has a bad leader, God can cut through that and he can move in, fa in favor of his people. Amen? That's how God works. But we've got to pray. We've got to seek God. But God revealed that he was uh, a man who, uh, who interpreted prophetic dreams and God God gave him secrets. He understood the secrets and of the dreams that the king had. And he, he was saved from compromise in the very beginning because the enemy wanted to de de derail him and, and put him on a, a detour from out of the will of God. But he, he wouldn't eat of the king's you know, meat and the drink of the king's wine. He was a man who had convictions and he didn't compromise those convictions. And and neither did the three Hebrew boys. But he saved him from compromise. He saved him in the lion's den. And even the plot to destroy him because of his prayer life. It was his connection with God that caused all of this to come to pass. But, but he, he was the one who poured into the three Hebrew boys who had that same faith. Because they were, you know, uh, they were men that were fruit, I would say, of Daniel's life and, and ministry. But he, he was a man who was Finally used of God. You know, God gave him interpretation for the writing on the wall. He was the only one that could read and understand and interpret the finger of God writing on the wall. You know, I can tell you there's a lot of people that are trying to interpret what God is writing, but most of them are wrong. But I can tell you, if we'll seek the face of God, He'll show us what's going on. He'll tell us and show us what's important in the hour that we're living in. But God gave him that interpretation. He even gave him the word to tell Belshazzar that, you know what, you're going to be a man who's going to be 
become a wild man. You're gonna you're gonna be brought down and debased or based uh, abased, I should say, to be a wild man and have hair like dreadlocks and fingernails like talons. And you're gonna eat grass and dirt. And you're gonna be away for many years. But yet God's gonna restore you. And He did restore him, just like Daniel said. So I'm just giving you some of the highlights of Daniel's life. And he was a mighty man with a source of deep intercession in prayer a man with deep intimacy with God so much that he was what the astrologers and magicians called a rare thing that's what they said whenever nobody could interpret and tell the king what the dream was that he had and interpret the dream they said what you're asking for is a very rare thing you know and and but Daniel was one that was very rare we ought to be a very rare people in the generation that we're living in that have the answers to what's going on in the world and have the answers for someone's life. Amen. It's Jesus. I'm just giving you those some highlights here. He had a connection with God and the God of the heavens that nobody else had in that world that he was living in. In his early life, he got quick answers from prayer. But yet after years of prevailing with God, he finds himself at a totally different place in his life, spiritually and in his understanding. Think about it. Years he watched God perform miracle after miracle after miracle. He got answer after answer after answer. And they came quickly. Amen. Thank the Lord it didn't take 21 days to... For the Lord to meet him in the fiery furnace. <laughs> if God hadn't answered quickly the next day, King Nebuchadnezzar was going to destroy all of the magicians and the astrologers and even the Hebrew boys. But because Daniel began to pray and seek God and God gave him an answer. Because that's how God works. Early on in his life, he saw these things where he prevailed with God, but he comes to a totally different time and season in his latter years. I want you to think about this for just a second. If we're going to grow in the Lord, if we're going to grow in the grace of God, or if we're going to grow spiritually in revelation and understanding, which I've found to be almost synonymous with patience, Why am I waiting? Because you have to be patient for God to answer your prayer. Will you believe Him if it takes 21 days? Will you dip down seven times in the Jordan, Naaman? Will you wait 10 days in the upper room, apostles? We have to be patient with God and let Him be, be patient with what God is doing. Wait upon the Lord. Amen. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. So I've found that revelation or understanding what God is doing, is, it, it's parallel or synonymous with patience because you will understand it, amen, eventually, or God will give you a peace that passes the understanding. <laughs> You'll either have understanding and a peace in what you know, or you will have a peace in what you never knew. And never found out. Or you can go through the rest of your life trying to find out why. 
and God never tell you or never give you the answer you wanted and you'll never have peace and you'll never have understanding. I've met people that were 25 years, 30 years past a trial or past something in their life and they became shipwrecked in their faith and they stand back and they wonder why. Why did this happen? Why did it have to happen to me? Don't ask God why. But go to God and say, whatever you want, Lord, you'll show me and you'll tell me in the sweet by and by. You'll let me know whenever I get to heaven why this happened. But until I get to that place, I'm just going to be satisfied with the peace that passes understanding. (laughs) Sometimes you don't get understanding. You just learn peaceful trust. But if we are to have any of spiritual increase or enlightenment, we must move out of our comfort zones. And our comfort zones, a lot of times people just think that's their creature comforts that they have. But the comfort zones that God moves us out of is familiarity. The things that we're familiar with. The way that God has always done it. The way that you expect it to be done. The way the answer always came before. Come on. God always did it this way. God always did it that way. Jesus never healed a person that I read of in the Bible the same way every time. Sometimes he touched them and healed them. Sometimes he spit in their eyes. Sometimes he spit you know, from his tongue and told them, make mud and put it in their eyes and told them, go wash. Sometimes he told them, take up thy bed and walk. So we get comfortable with the way things, we think things are supposed to be. You can't do that. You got to trust God because he's a God, Amen. He'll always do the right thing, but you don't always know what He's going to do. (laughs) If we're to have any spiritual increase or enlargement, we must move out of our comfort zone. And that may be the familiar, your typical norms that you're used to, expectations from the past experiences. God told Joshua, He said, you all ain't never passed by this way before. Amen. You've never come by this way before. You've never been by this way before. He, he, he told Job, or Job knew, that he had never experienced the trial he was in. It was something that, was, that, that he had to go through for the first time. You know, and, and, and so Daniel felt this, I believe, as he prayed and he fasted three weeks and he mourned before the Lord, the Bible says. You know, we don't know exactly how he felt, but judging from his actions, he was seeking God for an answer. Amen. But it didn't come right away as in times past. You know, and some of you sitting here tonight, you've prayed and you've cried and you've prayed and you've cried and you've sought God and you've believed God for something. And some of you have seen God move miraculous, but some of you have never seen the answer come that you've been praying for. But I've come to tell you today that God said for me to tell you, just like He told Daniel, I heard your prayer 21 days ago. We heard it on the first day. And just because you didn't see 
see it answered like you wanted on your time frame doesn't mean God wasn't working in the eternal realm. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The angels Gabriel answered and the, the, the answer that Gabriel gave unto Daniel, his answer tells us everything. It's the response to Daniel's heart's cry and I'll read it again to you. He said, then said he unto me, Fear not. That's the first thing God wants you to know. You don't have to be afraid when you've put your destiny in the hands of God. Years ago, there were several times financially I put everything I had in the hands of God. But whenever you put everything you've got into the hands of God, it's in good hands. And you've got to trust Him and you've got to know the meal barrel will always produce. Amen. Hallelujah. If you've been faithful and paid your tithe, you can know that God's going to meet you when you have a need. It's a lot of people. They wonder why God didn't move whenever they needed Him. They never were faithful whenever they were supposed to be. How can you, when you did, how can you expect God to do what, what His Word says when you didn't do meet the condition and do what you were supposed to do? You, let me tell you something. Tithe and offering and giving of your substance. It is everything about you sowing. But it's even more so about you putting your trust and faith in God with that little bit that you've got that you want to hold on to. That's trust and faith. Whenever you say, I'm trusting God, I'm believing God. I'll never forget whenever I first got saved. Here I am, a young Christian. I had never had God speak to me before. But I was in church, and there was a lady that didn't have any groceries. And I was driving home one day. And that was when we first got those little ATM cards. I'd never even hardly used mine that I remember. But I, I remember I had my ATM card, and, and there was $30 in there. And I remember I, I had a lady in the church, and I just felt impressed in my heart. God said, go to your bank, pull that money out. And he said, go down and buy her two bags of groceries, milk, eggs, uh, ham, this and that, bread, all these things. That's back whenever 20 or $30 got you quite a bit of groceries. So I went down and I did that and I called her up and I said, Sister, I'm coming down to your house. Where do you live? She told me. I said, why are you coming over at 8.30 at night? I said, well, the Lord spoke to me. Oh, she said, ooh. She said, the Lord spoke. I said, the Lord spoke to me. Here, I'm a new Christian, two months old, fresh out of the crate. And I said, God told me to go to the grocery store and buy you some stuff. She started speaking in tongues. She started praying. She started crying. She said, thank you, Jesus, thank you, Jesus, thank you, Jesus, thank you, Jesus. So I went down there, and she said, you're never going to believe this. She said, but today we spent our last $20 on lunch after church, 
And she said, my mom was behind me like Martha. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? Martha, her name was Martha, but, but her mom was behind her acting like Martha in the Bible. Amen. <laughs> And, and she said, Martha, she goes, well, what are we going to do? You know, we spent the last $20, and, 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 and your husband doesn't have gas money and this and that. What are we going to do? We don't have groceries for the rest of the week. And she said, Mom, we're putting it in God's hands. He's going to take care of us. I already told him we don't have this uh, food this week, but we need eggs, and we need this, and we need that. I've already told the Lord he's either God or he's not. She said, but, but Martha, what are we going to do this week? She said, Mom, Jesus could come tonight, and we would even need groceries and she said and then we got home had our lunch and she said after church you called amen and she said now we got groceries for the week see when you put your faith and trust in God I'm not talking about me. I'm talking about her. They were tithers. They were faithful. I'm talking about a woman that prayed knots off tires. I'm not joking. I said, we, ain't got, we don't have money for tires. And she said, I laid hands on that knot, and the next day I came out and it was gone. Amen. Some of you are going to be out there laying hands on your tires. That's just the way we lived. But faithful, God said, there's somebody I can talk to. <laughs> listen, listen. Whenever we begin, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're in this word. We're in, we're in this message here. We're seeking God for the answer. And uh, let me just get back to where I was here. You know, um, I want to say something to you tonight that, that the angel began to speak and told Daniel everything. What he spoke to him speaks to us tonight. Its response is that uh, I'm responding. God is responding to your heart's cry. To your heart's cry. He wants you to trust him. He wants you to depend upon him. Even though you're not seeing the answer come just like you want it to come, it's coming. Amen. Will you still believe him tomorrow? Will you still believe him on the 15th day? Will you still believe him on the 18th day? Will you believe him on the 20th day? Trust God. Amen. We've got to trust him whenever, you know, we're going through some of our hardest times and we ask God to meet our need. God will meet our need, but we need to meet the condition amen people say oh that's a work no it's not it's faithfulness unto God it's sacrificing it's being faithful and watching God multiply what's there and I've come to tell you from experience in the word of God when you are faithful God will always show up I want to say some obvious practical thoughts in this Number one, the angel spoke of a warfare that was 21 days for an answer to come. What is God after in that 21 days? Number one, total dependence and trust because everything comes to try our faith and confidence in God. Everything. Everything comes. Even God allowing there to be a warfare, and He allowed it. He didn't have to, but He allowed it. 
and there was a warfare that was taking place. But the moment that we give up praying, the warfare stops on our side. We have to keep praying. But what is God after? Total dependence upon Him. It's, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, total dependence and trust because everything will come to try our faith and our confidence in God. Amen. Everything. I was listening to Ross Kibidu, Kibido, however you say his name. I saw him on Swaggerts. He wasn't preaching. He was in the congregation. And they were showing that video from probably four or five years ago. And I said, I know that guy. He's a preacher down at Pastor Lee's. He's been in there. And I'm looking at him. I said, go back. Take that back. We're looking at it again. It's him. I went on his Facebook page and his wife got healed. His wife's the one that got healed and stood up and walked. Carter Conlon said she'll be healed in 20. I don't know if it's 2022 or 2021. I don't remember exactly when it happened, but God healed her. And he said, but I've came to a place where I saw my wife and my family crumbling beneath me. Everything seemed like it was going to go down the drain, and it was over. He said you could feel it. It was so heavy. It's like my wife, her faith was being rocked. It was being tested. It was being tried. It was being shaken. Everything was, it, it took everything to hang on to what we knew and believed and have always been taught. But it was so tried. But I've come to tell you, the anchor will hold in spite of the storm. Don't give up on the brink of a miracle. God healed her. Not only did God heal her, but he began to elevate them into a position and a place with world uh, challenge, I believe. And, and God is using him in a mighty way. And I'm just so blessed to have heard that testimony. But I know that even the strongest in the Lord are going to be rocked at times. When you watch somebody walk away that you, you held on to as, as a landmark in your life. They were never supposed to do that. God never did that to us. You could feel it in the church there in Mazatlan. Had a, a brother that I've known for a long time. Him and his wife going through some stuff. But it was as she began to explain to us. After Pastor Carlos died, it's like it just went, it's like God died in his life. You can feel it in that congregation. Lord, why did you allow this to happen? They don't say it, but you feel that. And God said, remind them, I'm still God. Amen. I'm still God. Just because they didn't get the answer that they wanted doesn't mean that God died. He's still God. He never changes. He's still the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's a rock that you can stand upon and know that no matter what, upon this solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. Amen. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. Amen. Hallelujah. I'm standing on the solid rock. How about you tonight? I'm telling you. But even greater than total dependence, or I should say another reason why we go through the things that we go in testing is because it's an attack 
on, uh, it's an attack on people that are moving into the perfect fulfillment of God's will. Now, stay here with me for 15 more minutes. I want you to see this. We always say higher levels, higher devils, right? That's what we say. And God said, look through that Bible. Just look at the progression of anyone that was used in the Bible. Look at what happens. Just take David as an example. He went from a shepherd boy that was overlooked by his father. Okay? To a man, young man, took, took out a giant. But there's victories in between these progressions. Okay? He went from an overlooked shepherd boy who actually took out a lion and a lamb. Or was it a bear and a lion? Amen. Not a lamb. He didn't take out a lamb. He was shepherding the lambs. I've got that song going on in my head. But the lion and a bear, he took them out. You think he never told his dad that? I believe he did. I believe he told him, Dad, today, I run, I'm telling you, I took out a bear. I took out a lion. But he was overlooked as a, uh, somebody that God could anoint. He's just the youngest of the, shep- of, of, the, of the family, of the brothers. He wasn't the one that was big and built and tall and, and seemed smart to everybody and older and distinguished or whatever. So he was overlooked. And then he went to a place from, from, from that to being despised after he took out uh, Goliath. And then he was hunted down throughout the, uh, the whole hillsides there and, and that part of the world. And, and then the fight went to destroy him internally with sin, with Bathsheba. And it, and it went from there to a son who was rebellious, a rebellious murderer, and on a rebellious murderer's mission to take out his father and take over the, the kingdom. And then at the end of his life, he numbered Israel because he began to lean on the arm of the flesh. What I'm saying to you is that every time he had a victory, he went higher but yet he had another devil that he was dealing with the higher you go the more you progress in God the greater the attack will be always and it's deeper and more sinister and more wicked but it comes it sure does look at the disciples look at the apostles They went from a progression in Acts where Peter was censured. They were censured at first, told to quit preaching this. Okay. Then the next thing you know, they had a a greater punishment. And the next thing you know, they kept on preaching. He was thrown in, in prison. God set him free. It was just until he eventually got to the place of martyrdom. Look at the Apostle Paul. All of the things that he went through. Because the more that you fight, the more that you begin to war in the spiritual warfare and you progress and you are furthering the kingdom of God here upon this earth, there's going to be the attack. Daniel started out and he was attacked at a low level. But he found himself as he began to get older and older and older. The attack got more harsh and hard and more aggressive And more, I'm telling you, it was a fiery trials he was going through. Until he found himself at a place where the devil said, we couldn't take him out in the lion's den. We couldn't get him to compromise with the king's, you know, 
food and drink. We couldn't destroy him in the fiery furnace or the Hebrew boys. We couldn't destroy him whenever he gave a word unto unto Belshazzar that he was going to become a wild man. We couldn't destroy him whenever, you know, he could interpret the writing on the wall. But he said, what we're going to do is we're going to bring it down and we're going to fight so that this answer doesn't come because he's a man who has who has established this understanding in his heart and this confidence in his heart. God hears me. God hears me. God hears me. And then you get to a place and you're like, Lord, where are you at? What's going on? Don't tell me that men of God who have done the greatest things in their life spiritually don't go through discouragement. Elijah was the man who shut up heaven, opened heaven, saw fire come down, consumed the sacrifice, and he found himself under a juniper tree. And I've preached this before, but I'll say it again. I don't even think that it was so much that Jezebel was after him. I think he was brokenhearted over the fact that we had the greatest move of God and the church didn't even blink. They just sat there and all we heard was crickets. I've done everything I can do, God. The answer didn't come like I thought it was going to come. I thought the church would be turned upside down. But see, we don't always understand everything. We don't know what God is doing. And the enemy wants to discourage us. But God's come to tell us today, I heard your prayer the first day. Don't lose sight of the fact that I heard you the first time you prayed. I've had prayers that didn't get answered for years, but they got answered. They got answered. I've been praying for years, God, if Potter's Fellowship, you know, I, I want that building one day. I want to either be, Brother Talbert told me, he said, Brother Skiles, he said, I'm going to tell you something. Either they'll leave or you'll leave. And I said, well, you know, if we grow that we have to leave, I'll take that. I said, but whatever happens in our church, I just want the will of God. Well, there's something about bouncing around from location to location, and the, the city knows we're here. The city knows they, they the city knows we're here. They they know who we are. And so the door opened after many, 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 many years of praying. God either move us or move them, but but, you know, give us this property. Give us this if it's the will of God. And you know what? After many years, it happened in God's perfect timing. God's perfect timing. He's faithful. Don't give up on the brink of a miracle. Oh. See, the closer you move in totally fulfilling God's will, you will see this happen. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers them out of them all. Did Peter say, I'll never deny you? What a confidence. Jesus said, Peter, what you don't know is the devil desires to sift you like we, you don't see what I see, Peter. You don't see it. Young people, young adults, and young Christians in here, let me tell you something. There are things you do not see that your shepherd sees. There's sometimes people 
that come across your path and in your life that God does not want them to be there. But, but, but yet we, we go with what we feel and what we want and what our desires are to gratify that, but they are not the will of God. Amen. They are not the will of God. There have been people that have came into my boy's life that me and Sister Skiles, we didn't come out and just tell them, dump them like a bad habit. We went to the Lord and we said, God, you are going to have to work behind the scenes. And he was working because we knew that if that relationship continued on, it was going to end up being disastrous. But God intervened. God intervened. And so don't stop praying. Don't stop praying. I had somebody the other day, I was I'm praying for you, and they said, I've just I've stopped praying. I gotta be honest with you. And I was like, Well, I said, then God spoke to me to to take your burden to the Lord. I'm not gonna give up on the miracle that you need because it's hard for you to trust and believe God because you're confronted with the unbelief that slaps you in the face every day. But I believe, amen, I believe, I believe, and I'm trusting God for your situation, and I know that God will move. I know that He will move. But we got we to gotta know that there's things taking place in the heavenlies, in the eternal realm, in the spiritual. And you got to ask the question, why the fight to stop the answer, I can tell you, it's the devil. But I'm going to tell you that devil's got to move. We sing it. Mountains have to move. People have to move. Satan has to move. People have to move. Everything is to discourage us. But remember, God heard us the first day. Everything is to knock us down. Daniel was there. He was there, church. Listen, I want to start reading in verse 7, and I'm getting ready to close here, but stay here with me. This is the vision that Daniel saw, and he found himself at a place where after this vision, he's just beside himself. But God said, "I I want you to see that in the midst of him hearing God speak something to him, Waiting for it to come to pass. He was brought to a low place. See that. I know that he was in the fear of God. And I know that he was, uh, you know, prostrate on the floor. And he was, you know, seeking God. But the Bible says in verse 7, And Daniel alone saw the vision. For the men that were with me saw not the vision. But a great quaking fell upon them so that they fled to hide Themselves. There are sometimes God shows you things and people around you feel the effects of what God is doing, but they don't understand what God is doing. I was down in the altar one time at a conference, and I mean, God just cut me wide open. And I'm down there and I'm pouring my heart out, pouring my heart out. And some well-meaning saint... Some well-meaning saint that did not discern what was going on came up and is screaming in my ear for God to save me. And I'm like, I wanted to turn and say, I'm already saved 20 years. What you don't realize is God laced me open. I'm pouring out my heart. And you just disrupted the greatest dialogue that I could ever have had with God because you cannot discern What's going on? 
It ain't even the fact that I'm a pastor down there because pastors need salvation too sometimes. But I'm down here weeping and pouring my heart out. But there's people around you sometimes they have no idea what you're going through. Amen. But God's doing something so internal. And you know what? I don't even, I believe that God doesn't want you to say anything. He wants you to keep it between you and him. Those deep things. Amen. There's things that go on in me and Sister Skyle's life that nobody knows about. It's between me and her. There's things that go on with you and your spouse and your relationship. It's nobody's business. Amen. Amen. But he said in verse 8, Therefore I was left alone and saw this great vision, and there remained no strength in me, for my comeliness was turned into me into corruption, and I retained no strength. I'm going to tell you, you get in the presence of God Ye that thought you were so holy and everything else, and you find out that there's a lot of things there that you didn't realize were there that are corruptible and corruption. Amen. He said, Yet I heard, heard I the voice of his words, and when I heard the voice of his words, then was I in a deep sleep on my face, and my face toward the ground. And behold, a hand touched me, which set me upon my knees and upon the palms of my hands. And he said unto me, O Daniel, a man greatly beloved, understand the words that I speak unto thee, and stand upright. For unto thee am I now sent. And when he had spoken this word unto me, I stood trembling. I believe what took place and what happens in our lives. And I'm just using this from this text. We're down on our face at times. You ever got down on your face? Or you're just down there and you're just crying out to God? Have you ever been there? Where you're like, if I could crawl under this carpet, I would. I just, I don't even know what to say anymore. But God comes up after a time and you're down there and you're, you're, you're just on your face. You're on your face and he says, all right. He says, I'm tapping you on your shoulders. Get up on your, your, your palms and your knees. I'm bringing you up. Hallelujah. That's what God wants to do in our lives. He says, I'm trying to pick you up. I'm trying to show you. Amen. Uh, you know, I know you're mourning. I know that you've been at that place. But I don't want you to be there at that mourning place. I want you to get up on your hands and your knees. And now I want you to stand up. Amen. I want you to stand up because I'm going to begin to explain to you and explain what I'm going to do, explain why you didn't see come to pass what you were looking to come to pass in your time. I'm doing something, amen. I'm doing something. Don't be discouraged tonight, church. God heard you the first time you uttered that prayer. Amen, hallelujah, amen, hallelujah, amen, hallelujah. And he said, I'm trying to pick you up and bring you to this place where I can explain to you why so you can have understanding. God wants to give us understanding. Sometimes we can't handle the understanding. Sister Skiles and I, back in our early days, we were talking about it on the way home from the airport. How in 1995, 96, we had an opportunity to buy a condominium for $80,000 on Phillips Ranch Road. And it was one of those assumables. All you do is sign your name and 
you assume somebody else's loan. Never happened. And then we tried to buy another house, and the door was closed, brand new. Had everything set in motion. Closed the door. Actually, it wasn't even a closed door. It was Jonathan saying, I'm afraid to do it. It was Jonathan saying both times, I'm afraid to do it. I'm being honest with you. But I believe God brought me to this place because I always lived in fear of tomorrow. What am I going to do? Am I going to be able to make the payment? What if I'm making a mistake? What about this? What about that? I know God has a perfect will. And we need to wait upon him for that will. But I remember being in my garage and being on my face. And God saying, get up on your knees. And then stand up. And he said, go take a walk. And the thing that had been burning in my spirit for years and years and years and years. He said, all right. I'm getting ready to tell you what you're going to do. You are a fruit of that. You sitting here tonight are fruit of that. You hear me? Amen. God knew there was going to be a day that a Lorenzo Adami would walk through the doors. He knew that. He knew that. Where are you at, Lorenzo? Am I losing? Where are you at? There you are. He knew he was going to come walking through the doors one day. He knew that. He knew there was going to come a day when a Jesse was going to walk through the doors. He knew there was going to come a day when a Joe and Andy would walk through the door. He knew there was going to come a day when a Rodney and Mary Lascari would walk through the door. He knew that. And he said that church has to be in existence. But there was a period of time where I didn't know, what are you doing, God? I tried to take a church in, up, in, uh, up in Michigan. It didn't work. I had this pastor want me to be his youth pastor and got a, a, an invitation or a, a, a offer to go down to Florida and be a, a worship leader in a big church. They said, this is yours. This is yours. But every time God said, no, no, no. But the moment he said yes, it was such a resounding yes that faith was so strong and courage and there was no fear. Because the answer came. And he said, what you've been praying and what you've been feeling all these years, I waited for this moment to open your understanding to show you. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. And so everything is to knock us down. Everything is to, to do that. But God's saying, I want you to get up on your knees, stand up. Here is your answer. Church, hold on. The answer is on the way. That marriage you want to be restored, God heard you the first time. Amen. That child that's been away from God, God heard you the first time. It blessed me so much, Amber. When your mom went down in that water and she said, I thank God that my daughter has prayed for me. I thank God. I give God the glory, but I thank God for a prayer warrior that prayed me through. Amen. Because God knew there's going to come a day I'm going to restore Mama Andrea. I'm going to restore her. Amen. Oh, 
God heard you. Delay is not denial. So keep praying. Keep believing. Stand when you've done all you know to do to stand. And don't give up on the brink of your miracle. God heard you. What do I do, Pastor? You just got to keep doing what you're doing. I was in, I'm closing with this, I promise you. I was in Wisconsin. And we were in a round table with about 20 preachers. You know, and they're all, you know, sharing their, their, their thoughts on how we become unified. All these things, you know. And then after that, they, they discussed a few things, but they said, does anybody have any, any prayer requests? And I said, you know, I've got a prayer request. And I said, I'm just going to put myself out here. I just put myself out here a lot. But, you know, I said, we had a total trajectory change in our church in January. I said, oh, I poured gasoline on that church for many years and we saw little flickers and we saw fire of the Holy Ghost I said but but then I said oh Jared Jenkins came and I said and it's like he lit a match and I said you know I don't believe that evangelists come and 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 they bring you know this revival they don't bring revival in their briefcase as we used to say but they come, and I believe that they set aflame what has been prepared and poured and sown into for a long time. Not just by me, but by a lot of people. By a lot of people. And yes, he was instrumental. I'm not taking anything away from that. But I said, now I've got this church. And I said, it's, a, it's like a whole different thing. It's like a whole new, you know. And I said, you know, I just, I just, um, I don't really know what to say, but that I just covet your prayers because I want to lead them and I want to lead them right. And I said, I just feel so inadequate and I just feel so, you know, and there were many preachers that said things that were just kind of platitudes, but it was Terry Fisher's son that said to me, he said, you know what, pastor? He said, I just want to tell you that your job just became easier. He said, you've got people in your church now that are on fire for God. And, and your job, in essence, became easier because they're taking that anointing and you're not carrying them so much. They're running with you. I thought, he ain't even a pastor, a preacher, nothing. He's just here. And God spoke the language to my longing and my heart. I had a couple come up and pray over me and spit in my face and everything else. Folks, if you're going to pray for somebody, put your head down. I'm not being funny. I'm serious. And I thought, Lord... Oh, I don't know if they're trying to bind a spirit or trying to cast it out of me or what, but, but I'm just, and he said, I talk to you. Terry Fisher looked at me and he said, Pastor, he said, just keep doing what you're doing because you're doing something right. 
God knows how to talk to us. And when we don't understand or we're, we, we have a lot of questions, why is this taking so long? When am I ever going to see this victory come to pass? Just hold on. God heard you the first time. Don't give up. Your children will serve God. They will come to Christ. If you don't believe they will, I'm going to tell you, you'll not see that. But if you believe God, they'll come. They'll come. We've got a, there's a movement now that doesn't believe God does anything. Well, I'm going to tell you, they're way too late because I know that he does. And I know that he will save, heal, deliver because that's the God we serve. But he, he, he'll do it because we believe him. And he wants to give us the confidence in the waiting. And he will. Father, tonight I thank you. I thank you, Lord, tonight for your word. I thank you for your spirit. I thank you for your anointing. I thank you for what you've done and what you're going to continue to do. And God, tonight I pray as we come to this time, there's people that may want to go. But Lord, before we go, I just believe there's some folks in here that want to just pour their heart out to you before we go. And I'm seeking you for that, Lord. I'm seeking you for that. And I'm asking you to minister, Lord, tonight. In the name of Jesus, draw by your spirit, draw by your power, draw by your anointing. Thank you, Jesus.